Welcome once again to the very special, super special, Christmas special, spectacular, very early this year, starring Chris Leva and Mackenzie Worrell. Stay tuned. Good day and Merry Christmas slash Happy Holidays slash Happy Thanksgiving if that has not happened yet. I'm Chris Leva. And I'm Mackenzie Worrell. And this is Writers Get Animated, a podcast about animation, storytelling, and Christmas slash holidays. It's here. But it's not here yet. But here, it's it creeps up on us. Earlier and earlier. So season 10, the very special Christmas special will be in June? Probably. At this rate, (laughs) may as well record it now. (laughs) So on this episode of this very early, very special Christmas special, Christmas special, we are talking about the new Netflix film, Klaus. Not Claus, Klaus. And that's right, we're not going retro. Usually we're doing some kind of retro Christmas thing. Not this year. Those new Christmas things. And it's rare to get... No, it's not. Never mind. I was about to say, it's rare to get a new Christmas thing that's animated. But no, that's been happening quite a lot. So... Yeah, it happens all the time. But rarely do we want to talk about it. I guess that's true. Although last year we talked about the Grinch. Okay, you know, I thought we had, I don't know, I guess we're on new things now. New Christmas. Ish, ish, (laughs) ish. Well, last year wasn't original. And this year, Klaus is wholly original. Some, me, might dare call it a dark, gritty Santa Claus reboot. I would agree with that assessment. (laughs) As much as you can get dark and gritty in a Christmas movie. Right. In an animated family Christmas film, dark and gritty. Um, I think there was a quote. It's for those of you who don't know about this. I just wanted to start by saying so that just came out. It's on Netflix. It is a. What do I want to say? It's an animated Christmas film. It was written and directed by Sergio Pablos. It's his directorial debut um, from Spa Studios. And it was also co-written by Zach Lewis and Jim Mahoney. And um, Sergio Pablos has talked about how... I've read lots of interviews because I've just been mystified by it for four years since it was first originally announced where they showed a a test of what the animation would look like, um, which we'll talk about more later. But he he talked in an interview about how it's a cynical view of the Santa Claus story, but also adding hope (laughs) in an interesting way. But it's so interesting that he framed it as cynical because that's not how I'd describe it at all. Really? How would you describe it? Um, realistic. I'm trying to think of 
ways to describe it without getting into spoiler territory yet. Grounded? Um, grounded, yes. It seems to me, and part of the magic of this, is they wanted to explain everything that children understand about Santa Claus, but with no magic. This is a world where the rules are essentially the same as our own. Mm. How do they get Santa? Where do you get flying reindeer and red suits and fireplaces and cookies and coal in the stocking? Where does all of this come from? It's like Solo, but yes. Santa. This is the Solo of Santa Claus movies. <laughs> <laughs> and Jesper is Lando Calrissian, played by Donald Glover. Well, actually, you know, Jason Schwartzman. Well, yeah, I mean, I understand what you're saying. <laughs> I understand. So, I mean, there are, if you look at a lot, if we open the world up just a little bit, there are so many Santa Claus films that are out there. I was going to get a list of them just to read, just to be funny. <laughs> and I pulled it up on Wikipedia and I was like, oh, oh my. <laughs> I mean, everything from your miracle on 34th Street to um, the Santa Claus to Santa Claus the movie with Dudley Moore from the 80s. Ernest Saves Christmas has Santa in it. Um, there were a lot out there. There's one that is probably the most relevant for us, especially as an animated <laughs> a podcast about animated shows, uh, which is Santa Claus is Coming. Not coming, but Santa Claus is coming to town from 1970 from Rankin and Bass. Bass, sorry. <laughs> Rankin and Bass. Um, which is the one that most people think of when they think of Santa Claus origin stories that are animated. I would like to meet these people because this is, I think, the first that I'm hearing of this movie right now. Like during the podcast. Really? I'm sure if you saw it, though, I'm sure if you saw it, you would be like, oh, it's that movie. I'm Googling it. Oh, it's claymated. Okay. Um, no, it is not claymated. No. It is stop motion animation. Mm -hmm. That is legitimately my bad on an animation <laughs> podcast. <laughs> uh, okay. This, this rings a visual bell but there's like a penguin dressed as a bumblebee i'm sorry is there an ice king like from adventure time I yeah kind of this there's a warlock yeah there's a winter warlock this is how little again if you've listened to years past you will know that i am a grinch and <laughs> <laughs> there's lots of christmas lore and christmas world building done in movies that i don't know about well, this one, this that 1970 film is the one that I have the least knowledge of. That's the one that I didn't really watch. Um, but it is an origin story on how Santa became um, who he is in myth about the magic of the world. And that is a very magical world. As you saw, there was the Winter Warlock. <laughs> And elves and other things happening. So, 
But in, in the general scheme of things, I think if you're looking at telling a story about Santa, you're going to end up with about three different kinds of Santa movies that you'll you'll end up with. If you get it in your Santo meter, you can okay. end up with Santa needs somebody to save Christmas movie. Whoop. You well, can the go, Santo meter one. <laughs> right. That's based. That's we don't. Santa's a bit player, and you're really getting somebody like the Muppets, or you're getting Ernest, or you're getting who else in there. I don't know, some random other folk, Buddy the Elf, to help you save Christmas. Um, Then you have the next level, which is someone becomes Santa. A Santa meter two. So Santa exists. Santa's real. And for whatever reason, whether it's Santa's son, Santa's brother, Santa's sister, Santa's daughter. I mean, Disney Plus has a new Noel film, which I guess is like some relation to santa and she becomes santa santa's third cousin twice removed on his sister's side saves christmas all i know is it's anna kendrick it's on disney plus i don't i don't even know which (laughs) i don't know who she is i think noel you know who anna kendrick is no 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 i mean like i don't know how she's related to santa oh okay and I think Noel, N-O-E-L-L-E, is a really fun play on it. Like, the, the, And I hope that's not the most clever thing about that film. I hope it's it, it continues to be clever. Well, as a Disney Plus subscriber, you can find out. I will find out. By the way, we're now a Disney Plus podcast. <laughs> Every time you guys talk about Disney Plus, you just know. Disney is not paying us to talk about this. <laughs> we just like it. So we have, and then speaking of Disney Plus, which you can watch, I think uh, the Santa Claus films are on there as well. So, so to bring it back to someone becomes Santa, that's the one you think about Tim Allen oh, becoming Santa. So someone saves Christmas, someone becomes Santa. And then the third one, which is pretty rare you end up with a Santa origin story. A full-on Santa vortex coming out of Canada, if you will. Exactly. So this, you get, end up with Santa Claus is coming to town, and I can't think of very many others where it's like a origin story. Yeah, I'm hard-pressed. So, I mean, there are other ones that, but they these are the three general categories i mean you could say there's an offset of the someone needs to save christmas which is the i don't people don't believe in santa and you know like miracle on 34th street like is santa real kind of questioning thing but i feel like that is more the theme of yeah saving christmas in a way yeah it's less about santa claus nothing transformational happens about santa in those movies you're right Right. Unless you count existing. <laughs> existing as a form of transformation. I think I think in some ways, yes, I exist. Therefore, I have been trans- transformed. The non-existence of Santa Claus into the existence of Santa Claus, <laughs> which would also be a great name for a Werner Herzog documentary. He was not Santa Claus. <laughs> there was no jolly on this eve. 
That was my worst Werner Herzog that I've ever done. <laughs> <sighs> anyway, um, so Chris, tell us more about what we have to know about Santa going into a Santa movie. Like, what are the things we can expect? The tropes, if you will. Oh my gosh, the tropes, the trappings of of Santa. Like, the things that you need if you're going to have Santa. All right, let's make a list. Um, and if you could, would you uh, do a second check on this list that I'm about to make? Okay. Um, that in that way, in effect, the, the list will be, have been double checked. So it'll be... Oh, we're checking it twice. Thank you. Uh, yeah, okay. in a sense. <laughs> I'm really trying here. <laughs> and I'm dying a bit with my cough, so I, you're pulling the weight. You're good. <laughs> I'm just hoping that nobody stopped listening um, until we, we start talking about Klaus. So to get Santa, all right, I think you need Santa himself in some form. So big, jolly guy in a red suit, right? Oh, you're writing it down. That's perfect. So red suit. Um, you need a sleigh, toys, don't forget toys. You need, uh, let's see, what else do you need to have a Santa I'd say movie? Reindeer. Flying reindeer. Thank you, flying reindeer. Elves. Elves. A workshop of some kind. A ho, ho, ho. Ho, 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 yes. You can't have Santa without ho, ho, ho. I feel like there's a hip hop song. Like, anyway, um, Santa, ho, ho, ho. Um, you could probably go like visiting children by way of chimney, delivering the delivering of the gifts. Let's go right down chimney children. Chimney children. Uh, coal. Coal. Um, the love of cookies, just in general. And you know what? Oh, I was about oh. to say the ability to know if you have been bad and or good. Ability to know, not nice, or some kind of list of some kind. Right. Um, I don't think you see this much in movies outside of Klaus, but this one certainly took this concept and ran with it, the letters to Santa. Oh, the letters to Santa, yeah. There was a Muppets letters to Santa Claus film. Hmm. I shouldn't call it a film. I think it was a TV movie. That's a film these days. I know. What is Klaus but a computer movie? Or an iPad movie? I watched it on TV. I, wa I, wanted, it, I wanted to have the full big screen experience. I went full on millennial and I started on my computer in the bedroom, then moved to the TV halfway through. Interesting. <laughs> so letters to Santa. Letters to Santa. Uh, winter. When, yeah, winter. Like, and or the North Pole. Yes. Mrs. Claus. I don't know why yeah. I said it like that. Mrs. Claus. You're going to need a Mrs. Claus. She's from Boston. <laughs> That's not a wow. I guess I'm. I feel like that was a Long Island, oh, which which I, I think is I, ironic 
that maybe it was Boston. Maybe I'm really bad at accents. Maybe it was both. <laughs> Why can't it be both? Um, yeah, I, I feel like this list is a pretty solid list. Yeah, that's fairly exhaustive. It, uh, it's a lot to deal with already. It's a lot to cram into the, the solo of Santa Claus. Yeah. Where each thing gets a moment, but not like a moment. Right. And that's, but having the ability to take these and show where they come from, but not linger and not make it about the, what am I trying to say? Where it doesn't feel like checking off boxes. All mm -hmm. right. There's Chewbacca. Okay. There's the vest. Perfect. There's how he got his name. Perfect. There's the Millennium Falcon. There's land like. There he won the Millennium Falcon. There's this and Castle Run. I'm not digging on Solo. I enjoyed Solo very much. I'm just saying you don't want it to feel like feel like that checklist going through things. Yeah, I think that's a good example. Because Solo does that magnificently, and I think Klaus does that as well with this. I think with a couple exceptions, this movie couldn't function without the things that it checks off the list. They're all necessary for the story mm -hmm. except for a couple but they're still fun right and i think there's that level of here let's add a little bit of fun to mm -hmm. this could we um so that those are our general categories of santa movies these are these these are the things on our list of what you need or the things that you can play with if you're making a Santa movie, especially a Santa origins story, how these things come to pass. So Klaus, I think tells it in a surprising and interesting, and as you were saying, like grounded and authentic way that I was totally unexpected, that I was, to was totally not expecting. I don't Yeah. This is one of those movies where, like, I watched one trailer. I was like, cool, that's it. I'm sold. I don't need to watch any more trailers. So I more or less went in half blind. Mm -hmm. um, and same experience of just again and again, like, oh, oh, oh. Okay, Klaus. <laughs> I'm, I'm very glad that I only watched some animation tests, you know, in 2015 and was excited <laughs> about the look of it. And then I think I watched part of a trailer that was auto playing on Netflix while I was trying to get to Green Eggs and Ham. Well, let's detour to talk about animation before we get too spoilery then. Like, how would yeah. you describe this animation style? First of all, what is it? It is, it is 2D animation. It is traditional hand-drawn animation, which is surprising for 2019. Just just throwing that out there. But it takes it takes it to the next level. It looks like it looks like illustrations. It looks like um, I'm trying to, and I mean this in the best way, like the little golden books and that kind of very graphic style. It looks like that but moving. Absolutely. I think it definitely is trying to be like a 90s storybook that you'd read like in class and be sent home with. Yeah. 
and that's not a dig on it. It is gorgeous. It it looks amazing. The lighting is remarkable, and the way that things are shaded and the texture on everything, it's it's remarkable. And if you go through, and we could have some links in our show notes, but if you watch um, from Spa Studios, they have on their YouTube channel, they have tons of progressing progression shots of here are the rough, here's the cleanup, here's the lighting, and then oh, we add ink and paint, then we add the lighting, then we add the texture. It's remarkable to see. Um, and just on that, I was sold on wanting to see this movie. And maybe by the nature of like putting so much work into what you're looking at all the time. I What I really loved was the backgrounds were also so minimal compared to what you're supposed to focus on. Right. It was very director's hand pointing you like, here's what to look at in every seat. But if you zone out and you look at the background, it's like a Charlie Harper Woodland fantasy. It's excellent. Mm-hmm. And I, there were so many uses of camera that were unexpected and the way the camera moves and where it's placed, it just creates images that are exciting and fresh and perspectives that are, again, unexpected. That's, that's, yeah. that's all I keep coming back to. I was not expecting to see certain viewpoints and the way they told things and the subtlety of it. The storytelling is amazing. It, it goes back and forth between being really, really big and slightly obvious. I think that's for the, the kids to understand the story of it, to being really small and pulled back and subtle. Mm -hmm. So it can play up those, those moments too. But it, it allows it because the style of animation lets it be at, at once completely detailed, as detailed as to make you think that it's CGI and simple to be very graphic like a 2D film could be. The thing that it, it makes me think of is, in a strange way, uh, Into the Spider-Verse, which is... CGI that wants to look like 2D. Yeah. This is 2D that's pushing itself to look like 3D in, a, in an interesting way. We're at the, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? The event horizon <laughs> where they become the same thing. <laughs> right. In, it's in a that good part way. 2001 A Space Odyssey where you have like two vertical planes, the guy's racing toward, they suddenly like, and you're going through a narrow space between two flat walls. <laughs> One flat wall is Spider-Verse, the other flat wall is Klaus. Yeah, just like a film strip, like you're going to a Marcus Cinemas. <laughs> <laughs> I got that reference. Okay. Um, <laughs> so let's talk a little bit about, so we talked a little bit about the style. Let's talk about the story, and then we will we'll make sure that we're not in the spoiler zone, because I think everybody should see this. So let's just talk just in general, what's the story of Klaus that we get? Well, it's definitely framed by someone else's story. If we're talking about the titular character, um, Klaus isn't in the movie until 
I mean, I don't want to spoil anything, but he's not there right away. Yes. Um, and we're framed through the character Jesper, who, as far as I can tell, is completely not based on anything. Yeah, not really. No. Okay. Like we mentioned earlier, this this movie kind of leans heavily on the letters to Santa part, and that's the framing. It begins with talking about Evan writes these letters to Santa. Um, things show up. Kids are happy, but no one knows where this all came from. Let's begin at the beginning. And what do you need for a letter? You need a postman. So Jesper is our postman. Il Postino. (laughs) He delivers letters and very smartly, they don't make him just your neighborhood North Pole postman. Um, He is a complete foil to what the idea of Christmas is. He's entirely selfish. You get to watch him transform over the course of the movie and through that it's they don't really like nudge nudge wink wink say and that's the meaning of christmas ding um (laughs) no but jesper's character growth is essentially discovering the meaning of christmas right i think what's nice about it and surprising about it is you you end up with this for our listeners of and our lovers, fellow lovers of animation, you end up with what would happen if Cusco from the Emperor's New Groove was uh, a postal worker. Like that's that's basically who we have. Um, I enjoy it. <laughs> I enjoyed it. Yeah. I was surprised that that's who we were getting. And I'm like, where are we going with this? I don't see what's happening and like, and I think that's always nice when I get thrown to be like, I don't see what what's happening. Like, I don't, I don't get why we're here. Um, it's not like walking into a Starbucks November 1st and like there's holiday crap everywhere. <laughs> this movie starts Starbucks, October 31st. Like none of that's up. You don't know where you're going. None of the typical trims and decor are there, but you know, you're going to get there. You just got to wait. <laughs> But you and you don't even see the path. Like that's the thing. I don't. Okay, letters, sure, but how is this gonna get us where we think we're going? And one thing that's nice, I, I found a quote from Sergio, uh, the director, talking through about their main character choice, and it says, "quote It actually used to be a poor chimney sweep. That was the original story." Then I realized that it didn't quite take us there. We needed someone who was a bit more selfish, someone who needed to learn the lesson of altruism. So this morally reprehensible man with a very selfish goal to get letters was what the story needed to move forward. End quote. And it's true. You can't take someone as a chimney sweep. And like, as we all know from Mary Poppins, like they don't make money. Don't have that <laughs> selfishness to begin with. You could get there, but you don't have it's. It's not as obvious. Sometimes you need a more obvious story, and that's generally what tends to happen in the either the somebody saves Christmas story or the somebody doesn't believe in Santa. It's there's this person way over here who's not the main character who needs to learn the lesson or learn to believe or something. You know, not since. Christmas Carol, 
was the main character, the one who had to have the big transformation. Usually if someone's saving Christmas, they already believe, you know, it's mm -hmm. not about them saving Christmas. There may be stuff in their way and obstacles, but believing isn't generally the obstacle or being selfish isn't generally the obstacle. But very, very few times, like Grinch and Scrooge, like, or and any of those other kinds of Scrooge things out there. Well, I think you've just named all the Christmas movies that I like, except for Die Hard. So, right. Yeah. And he doesn't really actually transform either. And he's actually saving Christmas. But it's a good formula outside of that. Right. <laughs> so I think it's, it's interesting that we are following somebody who you don't like right away. And Jesper is super selfish, super pampered, is not taking this postal worker thing seriously. His father's the postmaster general and his father sends him away to, um, to a different place entirely, almost off the map, this tiny little island which is actually based on a real place. Oh. So, um, and I, I'm blanking on the name. I'm sorry. I think it's Smirenberg. I mean, the whole thing's got like. Yes, Smirenberg. Cerulean crush all over it. Smirenberg? Smirenberg. And where is that? Um, it is basically, let's see, where is it? It's, it's in the Netherlands. It's way up, way up north. Netherlands isn't even that cold. Smearenburg, but also smear sounds fun. It is. It's a great name because it just sounds disgusting by the time you get there. And I'm sure it's a very gorgeous place. There's Smearenburg Breen in Svalbard. Anyway, we end up with, uh, he gets sent there and his task is to, his father's trying to get him to learn how to be a good postman and take responsibility. And so he has to start up a post office in this town, in this, uh, on this island and get 6,000 letters and then he'll be allowed to come home and return to his life. And if he doesn't, he basically gets cut off from the money. Clear stakes, ticking clock, you have a year to do it. Um, clear goal, get 6,000 letters. And it turns out that this place, and we're not into spoiler territory, is a terrible, awful place. It's It looks like Nightmare Before Christmas, Halloween Town, mixed with a Tim Burton film, mixed with... So a Tim Burton film mixed with a Tim Burton film? Uh, Tim Burton <laughs> did not direct that one. But he worked on it. Yeah, I know, but I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but yeah, we get it. it. That's a great way to put it, because it's, it's so moody. It's... I don't know. It's it's got set pieces that are not anything that I would have expected there to be in a Christmas movie, and right. it makes everything function on a couple levels at the beginning and 
in the middle towards the end of the movie. So I was watching this with my son, Jack, who's seven. And he, when we ended up in Smearenburg, Jack said, I don't want to watch this movie anymore. I hate this movie. He, he was done. <laughs> he was like, I don't want to watch this. Now, I told him, I said, well, this is a Christmas movie. <laughs> this is a family movie. You know, let's see where they're going with <laughs> Let's see where he's going with this. Um, let's see what happens. Because he did not like the characters and he did not like the situation. He did not like the town and it was uncomfortable. And I was a little bit afraid of what have I gotten our family into <laughs> as well, because it, there, it felt like at times it felt like Adam's family. Mm -hmm. There were some very Adam's family esque moments of these are not these these people are operating on something different, some different level here. Yeah, I. <clears throat> I don't know if they just felt like they had more freedom to take longer to get there because you know what's going to happen. It's a Christmas movie. Mm -hmm. but you don't know how it's going to happen. Right. And so maybe they just felt like they had more, more ability to go down that anti-Christmas road at the beginning than what you would get out of another film that doesn't have the tropes of a holiday that everyone knows to take you there mm -hmm. and it it does linger in a good way on just how bad things are in this town for everybody you know people are just mean and it, we find out that there are two main families that are dueling with each other just at all times and nobody's happy and it's a bleak terrible place um jesper ends up in a post office that barely has a roof on it um and to get to the bathroom he has to cross like four planks of wood connected that are way high in the sky <laughs> that was a really really funny scene to it's like oh i have to get to that bathroom over there <laughs> but yeah it is uncomfortable in a good way. But stick through it. Yes. Once absolutely. you get into spoiler territory, like the payoff is there. Should we go into spo spoiler territory just to just to go through? So if you haven't watched it, pause here. Go watch it. You'll you'll thank us, I think. And then yeah, you'll come no, back. No, seriously, go watch it. And then come on back and finish up. I so, can't emphasize enough that I can't remember the last time I saw a good original Christmas movie. Hmm. Like, go watch it. <laughs> so, where where do we end up? Like, what are the things that we start seeing? Who who else is in play, and how do we? What are some of the surprises in how the myth becomes real, or how the reality, in this case, reality becomes myth? Well, uh, one of the things that I loved is that everything escalates so quickly uh, because there aren't really 
real obstacles once Jesper starts figuring out what he needs to do to get what he wants selfishly, what he selfishly wants at the beginning, and what makes Klaus happy, and what makes the town work. Um, and really, the halfway point of the movie is kind of like the end of the first act of Into the Woods. Like, cool, here's Christmas, here's all the things, we've kind of explained it. Everything gets... I mean, everything is happening. Um, everyone got what they wanted. We're good here, right? No, there's an hour left in the movie. <laughs> right. Yeah. And so then it really does ask, like, what... From the, the writer emergency pack um, that we've talked about on this podcast before, one of the things that always sticks with me is, what happens if your character gets what they want right now? And this movie was not afraid to do that multiple times in surprising ways. Mm-hmm. It doesn't put obstacles up for the sake of there being obstacles. It's like, okay, here's the presents. All the kids are getting them. Great. Now what? But I also think that the, it does play around with the idea of home and getting what you want and realizing the thing that you wanted is not the thing that you want. Um, so in, in the beginning, Jesper's all out for himself and who's the opposite, who's the embodiment of doing everything for yourself, but the one person who gives everything and never asks for anything in return. Maybe cookies and milk, but not very much than that. Like, I want carbs and dairy. I mean, that sounds like a good time to me. Believe me, I know. (laughs) Not about you, but about me as well. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, it it builds with interesting characters, because even the characters that you want to like and are rooting for, the Jesper meets, are also behaving selfishly um the school teacher alva alva Alva, who when they first meet she is like a fish a rotting fish shop (laughs) for some reason and he realized it's a school and she's like oh there's no kids to teach like i'm just trying to get out of here you're like oh okay still on for this ride but was not expecting a school teacher hated children well i don't she doesn't hate children she hated that she got Basically, she aligns with Jesper in the way that she ended up here on assignment and the town doesn't want the, the children of their enemies to be with their kids in the same place. So they don't want them in the school. So the schools become derelict and now she's yeah has her fish market and inside of the head of a an anglerfish she's keeping her savings so she can get the heck out of there which felt real to me in a lot of ways like like i'm gonna i'm gonna leave i'm i'm done with this place i'm not appreciated and this these people don't appreciate learning and um It's interesting that the thing that transforms everything is a simple act of 
selfishness that gets transformed. So Jesper is trying to be a postman to a place that doesn't deliver letters because they don't have anything good to say to anybody, each other. <laughs> and he ends up at this one kid's house where the kid has drawn a picture of himself locked up in his room, sad. And he drops the letter or the the drawing and Jesper's like, I'll give it back to you if you mail it. I'm a postman. You have to mail it. So he folds it up, puts it in an envelope. It's like, give me a penny and I'll put postage on it and I'll mail it. Um, and he r runs away. Hilarity ensues. And he ends up in the woods at this, uh, this, well, no, this, this has happened later and later, but um, some things happen. He ends up in with the, at the woodsman's house and the, the letter stays behind. The woodsman finds the, the picture that the kid has drawn of himself being sad and decides to have Jesper deliver a toy to the young kid. Mm -hmm. So Jesper's selfish act becomes this totally altruistic act and now that the transformation begins for the town and everything involved. And it takes him a long time to realize that he's changing also. Oh, yes. Which is done really well. Like the movie always manages to surprise you, even when you think you know what's going to happen. And and then it, I, I do appreciate, though, when it pays off in what you're expecting to see happen like the, the the moment that i love the the one of the biggest payoff moments is they they're using jesper's carriage his mail carriage to travel and they've just hooked up some reindeer to it because now finally the amount of toys that they're taking is just huge and the wheels fall off of the carriage. They're, they're being chased or something and it, the wheels fall off. So it looks like a sled and they end up at this, this cliff that ramps them over and they just, it looks like they're taking flight. And a kid just happens to look out their window and it goes into slow motion and it goes, and you're like, oh my gosh, there's a flying reindeer <laughs> and a sled. And it's just a, perfect moment because you had no idea it was going to get there and then it gets there and you realize as it's happening like oh they're explaining the flying reindeer and the sled i see why this is here <laughs> but they're explaining things in just such a it's the there's there's so many misunderstandings mm -hmm. it's so they know somehow that there's a big guy who gets down the chimney and it, you know, it ends up being Jesper being the one who delivers things. He's the postman. So he goes in and delivers thing. And then one of the other things that Jesper creates in his selfishness, um, he's there to deliver a, a toy 
to a kid that had been mean to him when he first arrived in town. And he throws some coal in the kid's stocking. Like, there's your present, kid. And so he's getting his revenge on this kid. The kid comes to the post office, starts throwing snowballs, and he's like, he only he only delivers toys to good kids. He's an omnipotent toy maker, duh. It's like, how does he know what you're doing? He watches you, and he has a list, and you're on the naughty list. And I'm like, what? And it surprised me that he went there because I'm like, wow, that's just it turns that into this really mean thing, <laughs> which in a way it is. But it, it makes is. it it makes sense. It's like, oh, of course, it's not Santa who who made that rule. <laughs> it's this it's this self-centered postman who's like only the nice kids get presents. When you hear him saying it in the Tony saying, it, you're like, yeah, that is a really mean thing to say to a kid. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's like, watch out. There's this all-knowing naughty list that you'll be put on. Never misbehave, even when I'm not watching you. Because someone is. And Santa. that someone will withhold presents. And that plot... I mean, I'm hesitant to call that a plot line. Um, <laughs> that's one of the things that I don't think necessarily needed to be there, but was fun. Um, and I think it ultimately it goes away because the whole point of the movie is that one good deed inspires another. You don't have to like do something in exchange for other things. And in fact, a lot of the, the middle of the movie spent worrying if you take, if you stop giving kids presents, how long do they revert back to the way they were? Mm-hmm. And the message is they won't. Right. Or at least not all of them. It'll never go back that way because good deeds inspire good deeds and this whole naughty list thing it's like a message that yeah it's a selfish guy talking about the naughty list and you should never talk about that because that's not the meaning of christmas right it should be about the good that you do not the mm-hmm. bad that you avoid yeah exactly and which is coincidentally how i feel about going to church <laughs> <laughs> so which is neither here nor there <laughs> this this is slightly off topic but it's slightly on topic as well so i was putting jack to bed tonight and he asked me the question that um i think a lot of parents dread which is is santa claus real or do you just put the presents there while i'm asleep wait hang on let me count backwards um Seven and some change? Yeah. For Jack? Yeah. That's pretty good mileage for Santa being real. So he, he asked me that, and I said, who told you, like, what, where did you get your information? He said, Philip <laughs> told me. So Who's Phil- your dealer? Yeah. Who is this person? And he said, Philip told me that it's just, that Santa's not real, that Santa's fake. And... I said, well, like there, there are a lot of stories about Santa. I said, we just watched one. We just watched Klaus, which was about Santa. And he said, yeah. And I said, so what was the message about Klaus? And he's like, he was thinking a lot. And I said, it's about doing one good thing for somebody. Like that's what Santa is about. 
I said, how many times have you given a present to Santa? And Jack looked at me kind of confused and he's like, I haven't. I said, when was the last time you wrote a thank you note to Santa? It's like, I haven't. It's like, and still we write letters to Santa and we get things. It's like Santa, Santa's somebody who doesn't want anything in return. Santa does something good because it's good for other people. And I said, and that's real. Doing good things is the reason why we do things. Being kind to other people for no reason other than other people deserve that. That's, that's real. Mm-hmm. And that's all I left. That's what I left it at. <laughs> like doing something good for someone else is real and good. And the fact that I was able to use Klaus as something that shows in very many small ways, the good that you do for somebody else is enough. It, it I mean, it's nice a good way to... that that parental conversation sounds like a conversation out of a Christmas movie, right? I, I didn't mean for it to, but I was like, <laughs> I think the next the next conversation we have, if he brings it up again, it will be about, you know, uh, being Santa, like, you know, the the idea, the magic of Santa. That's cool and fun and magical, but <laughs> the reality of of being Santa being able to give something to somebody else, that's where the real magic is because it's authentic and it's something that anyone can do. Is that just the next conversation then or like another, do you have like an eight and a half goal, nine goal? <laughs> I don't think, I don't think I have a goal. I think it's uh, when he's ready to have that. I think he's still ready to believe a little bit of magic and I'm not, it's not that I don't want him to have reality. It's that it's November. <laughs> it's too early to be asking about Santa. Yeah. Like Santa hasn't decided what to get you as a good deed yet. Right. If it, if it came from his own questioning, it'd be different, but it's Philip really. <laughs> and I don't want Philip to influence my parenting, you know? I want mm-hmm. Jack to come to me and we can talk about that and we could find ways to be Santa just like Jesper, just like Klaus. Mm-hmm. Like Jesper found his way to be Santa. And I'm glad that they didn't do one of the things that I was afraid they were going to do toward the end where he started growing a mustache. I'm like, Are, is this about Jesper becoming Santa? No. no. I really didn't want it to be like, him growing a beard and it getting whiter. And then he's like, and now it's your turn to become Santa. Like I told you this story because now you're Santa. Like, I'm so glad that it wasn't that movie. Yeah. And I'm also glad that they kind of left it open at the end, whether or not there is an element of magic to it. Right. Because he said there's, one night a year, I get to see my friend again. And whether that's in reality or through his act of giving, mm-hmm. he gets to see and experience his friend again, metaphorically. 
much like your conversation with Jack, uh, yes. Yeah. It was all about... It's a satisfying ending, whether or not there is magic to it, but it's nice to believe. Right. Right. Ah, so good. I, I just, I think there were about three or four different parts where I started crying. Um, one of them was when Jesper's trying to be kind and they're running out of toys. They finally run out of toys. We don't know why Klaus has been making toys in the first place. They're running out of toys and Jesper tries to turn the workshop back into a working workshop. And he's pulling things down and he pulls down this um, blanket that's been, or sheet that's been covering this area. And we see this beautiful wood carving, which has, looks like tiny little openings mm -hmm. um, to hold figurines. And there, there are, there's a person, there's a figure of Klaus and a figure of a woman, and then about seven other openings that are empty. And you know immediately what had happened. Yep. Like, there's no question. Like, oh, I, I get it. And your heart just snaps. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and it checks Ugh. off the Mrs. Claus um, option in there. Yeah. Dark, oh. gritty business clause. Man, that was sad. Like just from that moment, that just. And of course, J.K. Simmons has Klaus like kicks him out, like, get out of here. Doesn't want to talk like, about it. I swear, it's a shot-for-shot shot remake of that scene in Beauty and the Beast. Yeah, <laughs> that's exactly what it felt like. From the lighting to the expression to the giant, strange, scary man. With glowing eyes, beautiful glowing eyes. Would the protagonist like unveil something they weren't supposed to see under a cloth? <laughs> and then when he tells the story that he was making toys for all of his future children that never came, that, mm -hmm. that hit me again. I'm like, my God. Now it has a whole new meaning of why he's, what it's, what's happening to him every time he gives one of those toys away to a different child. Yeah. Oh. I kind of want to watch it just to see those first scenes again when he sees kids getting the gift. Oh my gosh. But emotional payoff to the prop. Oh yeah, that that was an amazing moment. Mm -hmm. When we, we, there's a young girl who doesn't speak English um, and if, apparently early in, early in development that those characters did speak English. I'm so glad that they didn't. Mm -hmm. um, so Jesper doesn't know how to handle this young child who's just speaking a different language at him. And eventually he goes to um, Alva to see if she could help translate. And they write a letter to Klaus and give her a present. And this is where first... Jesper's first true altruistic act where Klaus says, I won't do it anymore. And so Jesper goes and he does it. Klaus does come back and help and they deliver it together. 
for um, Margot. Margot. Yeah. And I also enjoy that she is a call to action early on in the movie that just keeps getting ignored as a comedic <laughs> moment. Right. Uh, good payoff. And then her people come in and um, they help make the workshop. They're like so touched by this gift. They go in and they repaint the workshop. They get it working again. They, in effect, become Santa's elves. They get the sleigh ready. They make him a new red outfit. Like, mm-hmm. like they, they are this. And then you see that they've made figures of all of them and put them as members of the family underneath Klaus and his wife as figures. So it's just overflowing and teeming with a new family. Yeah, not just like the seven slots, like every branch covered in figurines. And lit by candlelight, it's just so well done. It's it's a a waterfall factory is what it is. Yeah, I'm 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 getting a little bit misty right now. My wife said, is there something something in your eye? And I said, no, I'm crying because <laughs> I'm a man in 2019 and I have emotions and that's mm-hmm. okay. It is. I was just like, I was so touched by that moment. It was just too much in a good way. Mm-hmm. <sighs> go see and the movie. Why not go? Like sit at home and watch the movie. Watch it with your family. Watch it with your family. I'm adding it to the Ken Pantheon of Christmas movies I can stand. Yeah, I'm going to... Muppet Christmas Carol, Klaus, Die Hard, the original Grinch. (laughs) (laughs) I'm totally... I think this is going to be a a yearly thing, and I think I'm probably going to watch it again uh, around Christmas time. When Christmas time is real. I support that. Just got to... Stay subscribed to Netflix forever. That's what they want. <laughs> oh, is there anything else we need to say other than it's just the story is so well done. Um, it's surprising. I don't, I don't know if you have anything else you wanted to say, any other point you wanted to make. No, I feel like we covered... All the stuff that I have to say right now. But next year for our very special Christmas special, when we rewatch this, <laughs> maybe I'll have more thoughts. Sounds good. Well, did you have a favorite thing? Uh, there's so many things to like in this movie and so many things that are well done and so many great moments that we've talked about. And I think my favorite thing that's super shallow that we haven't talked about is... I think the first time it really sinks in, like how terrible this place is, is when uh, Jesper is like touring the town for the first time, getting letters, and he walks past children who have built a snowman, and there's a bunch of like carrots sticking out of its body the wrong way, and he just—it's a sh- panning shot as he walks by as this little girl just like keeps her head turned to like stare him dead in the eyes. And just slowly pushes in a carrot like a knife into the snowman's body. That is the exact moment that Jack said, <laughs> I hate this movie. I don't want to watch this anymore. I knew he would. It's so wonderfully creepy. And they bring it back a second time to be like, this town is still terrible. And a third time uh, as she's like putting the carrot in a giant snowman that the town has made together. 
still creepy, but she's putting it in the right way as a nose. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there was that point, and then when we first meet Klaus, and it's seems like he's an axe murderer and it just plays it up like that. Like that was really scary. Yeah. Um, at the end of the movie, Jack said he really loved it and he gave it a seven out of 10. I think so. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I, I give it, I give it a lot more, but Jack, like the first half he had a really rough time with, but he was so happy with where it ended up and he said he loved it. Mm-hmm. Um, Uh, My favorite thing, there was one that was just funny, is we talked about ho, ho, ho. Like, you have J.K. Simmons laughing, going ho, 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 like (laughs) laughing. And then (laughs) Jesper says, that's how you laugh? (laughs) That's really how you laugh? He's like, go ahead, do it again. Like, giggle or something. (laughs) And it's just playing up with, like, I can't believe that's how you laugh. Just just the, the reality of... If somebody laughed, like, ho, 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 how would you react to that? <laughs> um, but my actual, actual favorite thing is the new family filling up all those empty slots. That was just, that 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 hit me a really hard in a good way. Payoff for days. Do, 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 do. Oh, so good. So good. <laughs> well, should we talk homework time? Let's. For next time, we are staying in the winter quadrant of animated films. Go see, if for some reason you're planning on not seeing it opening night, Frozen 2. Yes, that's right. We're not letting it go. That should be the subtitle for this film. So see Frozen 2. We'll talk about it next time. We'll have many thoughts on Disney and Disney animation and Frozen 2 and Adina Menzel. We're going to have all the feelings. The end of a Disney era. Or beginning. We're not sure. We don't know. We'll find out next time. Together. (laughs) Together. As always, we want to say thank you to Nigel Coutinho, our sound engineer, and thank you to Jacob Reed for our theme music. You can find us on Twitter at WG Animated. Let us know what your favorite Christmas or holiday theme movies are um, and tell us what you think of Klaus. Uh, Only good feelings accepted. And you can find all of our show notes on writersgetanimated.podbean.com. And if you're feeling the charitable holiday spirit, you can leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts to help people find our show. It's just a good thing to do. I feel like we're like the the podcast salvation army, like jingling in your headphones. Jing, 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 jing. Spare reviews for the podcast poor. <laughs> Share with your friends. Episode for your friends. Penny for our thoughts. I don't know what that means. Sign sealed delivered. Ah, that was a funny moment too. (laughs) Good night, everybody.